The content warning for this episode is trauma, suicide, and drug use. You're listening to Page by Page on the Let's Hear It Network, where I'm talking to Matt Bauer about psychedelics, cruise ships, and being a father. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Page by Page here on the Let's Hear It Network. And I know you're excited because I'm also excited to be here with Matt Bauer. Uh, who also has a show on the Let's Hear It Network, which you guys will hear much more about later. You guys are going to hear a lot about Matt today. Um, and Matt is the, I'll tell you a little bit about him. How about that? Hi, Matt. Also, welcome. Hello. Hi. Thank you for the welcome. Uh, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for being here. This is so exciting. Um, so Matt is the founder of Motivational Media. And for the last 15 plus years, he has been helping others tell their stories through all kinds of digital multimedia production. And he's also a singer, songwriter, guitarist, drummer, and headlined on cruise ships, which is so fucking cool. And I have all kinds of questions about like deaths on cruise ships and whether they actually hide them. As Let's go morbid today. Let's Fuck just it. dive right in. Like, do <laughs> I don't did you sign an NDA? Do people die on cruise ships as much as I have been led to believe by YouTube? Oh, are we jumping right in? Yeah. Can we? Do you mind? Okay, perfect. Well, yeah, no, I don't know. Did I forget anything in terms of your no, introduction? No, no. Okay, great. No, that was perfect. Fabulous. No, that was perfect. Well, I might hire you for like, you know, just a... If I meet anyone new, you just you first for like twenty seconds, and then yeah, you can just play my me. play my introduction at any given point. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, that's right. We are recording this. Okay, good. Yes. Uh, the question was about death on cruise ships, and I chose to be a smartass instead of actually pay attention to the question. So go so, ahead and ask that again. Okay, my question basically is: I feel like I've watched a lot of YouTube videos that are like people die on cruise ships a lot more than you think, and they hide them, and cruise employees will. I specifically read a story about a Disney cruise ship employee who committed suicide, or so it is believed, and they like intentionally covered it up because Disney and suicide uh, don't uh, jive uh, in terms of their like image. So basically, do you feel like the cruise ship industry has a vested interest in covering up deaths? And what's your opinion on that? <laughs> 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 I can just see this front page on the Enquirer tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, do I think cruise ship, the cruise ship industry has a vested interest in covering up deaths? <sighs> Sorry to disappoint, but no, I don't think. Damn I don't it. think so. I, so in in my <laughs> this is going to be a juicy scoop, and here it is. Not so. Well, juicy. I mean, there there may be some juice juiciness in you know what I'm about to say. Who who knows? You know, Let's we see. can squeeze the hell out of it and see what comes out. Um, I would say, so the cruise line that I worked for generally, ha- and I did five contracts, uh, and over the course of that, those contracts, I would say there were three or four deaths okay. on chips that I was on. And so I say that because the probability was a little bit higher, given that the clientele the median age, I'm guessing, realistically, is, pro- is probably 60, 65. Yes. Um, maybe even more than that. So there's a lot of retirees uh, on the cruise line. That So the, it was not working for Carnival, where there's 20-something booze cruises all the time. For sure. Right. 
Right. Um, it was a Carnival-owned cruise line, but that's half the ships on the damn sea. So, okay. um, but but yeah, and it wasn't Royal Caribbean, obviously, because Royal Caribbean is the opposite of Carnival, basically. Really? So uh, that being, yeah, basically, those are the two two main. I mean, there's Norwegian as well, but um, yeah, Royal Caribbean has like a ton of ships out there, uh, and Carnival owns so many different lines as well. So. Uh, so one of those lines is the one I worked for, and and they have smaller ships and older clientele, um, and so there there were a few deaths. Uh, if you hear over the intercom, "Bright Star, Bright Star," that means someone is unconscious, unconscious. Oh shit! Uh, and that's a thing. And so, uh, and we've even had, uh, I've even bright been in a situation. Star. Oh, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. Bright Star, Bright Star. I know it's a little morbid. Um, but we, we, it, it, I remember one, one situation we actually had to have a, it was off the coast of Italy. We had to have a, a helicopter, uh, fly into the bow of the ship basically and airlift someone out who had a, I believe a heart attack or, you know, needed medical attention like that could not be given on board. Okay. And so, um, yeah, and, and so in, in, in long answer to your, and there will be lots of long answers to your short That's questions. Great. That's how my, how my brain works. Um, so th- th- I've heard <laughs> that when there's a new flavor of ice cream, you know, kind of given out in the Lido deck, the you know, where you eat all the food, mm-hmm. uh, then they basically had to make room in the freezer uh, for a body. <laughs> and so... So we, we had that a, f- a few times. There is a morgue. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> also, like, hey, everybody, come on down to the deck. We've got pistachio. Little do they know there's been a bright star. Oh, my God. Right. Like, what's that rocky road? Oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Smith. <laughs> oh, God. Like, this is they, like the facade yeah. is i mean do you did you do you feel like when you were working i just picture a cruise ship worker having to constantly keep on this positive face facade in front of guests at all times like what was your emotional oh, yeah. experience of being a cruise ship employee and entertainer nonetheless oh you're on all the time okay. like all the time and and i want to preface all of this uh it seems like I'm complaining. I'm not. I had a great time on cruise ships. It's obviously a double-edged sword in a lot of ways. But that being said, I don't want anything I'm saying here to be like, oh, I'm complaining about, you know, living the in the lap of luxury and traveling anywhere I want for free and all that stuff. All that stuff is great and, and well appreciated, but it does have its cons. So that was that's my whole disclaimer. So uh, and now I've forgotten what the, the question was. Um, you were you, being on <laughs> all the asking. time. No, and you're yeah, but, a double-edged yeah, 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 most be, jobs are. But. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, being on all the time, it was very draining. I, I identify as an introvert, mostly. Uh, what, basically, what, whatever it is uh, where you can, if you get me out of the house, like I won't want to come back anytime soon because it's cool, but it's hard to get me out of that nucleus. You know what I mean? Totally. Uh, and so on, in cruise, on cruise ships, like I, I was performing every day, every single day for months. Um, and the, obviously when I'm out and about you're on. And then when I get to go back into my, you know, <laughs> my cocoon, basically under, under deck below deck, uh, I try to recharge. And, and even then, you know, you're, 
you go out of your cabin to go get something to eat or something and you pass, I don't know, 12 different crew members or something. And so you're still like, hi, how's it going and whatever. Uh, but everybody's kind of got that common where it's like, sometimes it's like, eh, okay, hi. And, then, hi. You know, and it's acceptable to, to be like, eh, all right, fine, hi. You <laughs> well, know, because we're on all the time yeah, and it's draining. Yeah. And you're living where you work. I, speaking of Below Deck, I watch a show called Below Deck on Bravo. And I don't know if you've ever seen oh. it, but it's about people who work on sailing or on yachts and stuff. Mm. And it is, it, I find this world totally fascinating because you're, you live where you work. Did you share a cabin with someone? Uh, fortunately, I did not have to do that because, not that I was just super cool, but because the risk of getting sick is cut in half, obviously, if you don't have a roommate. Sure. And if I get sick, uh, that's I can't perform. Like, I'm a, I'm a singer. And so if I get sick, I can't sing uh, and I can't do my job. Whereas somebody who's you know, uh, I don't know, in housekeeping or somebody, you know, some, somebody who's not using their voice to, uh, to work. Uh, I'm not saying they can get sick, but if they do, they can probably still perform their <clears throat> duties, you know, within reason. Right. So that's the logistical reason that I didn't have a roommate, but I, that still made me very, very fortunate because most people did uh, have a roommate. I happen to be in the entertainment, uh, uh, you know, department <laughs> of the of the company, and so we are a little bit more privileged uh, in that respect. Uh, whereas, you know, the the accommodations for let's say housekeeping or bartending, basically, if you're a Filipino or Indonesian, you are in either of those um, jobs, and you're kind of. The treatment is not great, really? uh, it, uh, yeah, for for those those folks, and <clears throat> that's one of the reasons I left is because I I just couldn't bear to see that anymore, and I I didn't uh, I wasn't a big fan of it. So that being said, um, the, the those folks uh, in those positions generally did uh, did have at least one, two, maybe three roommates, depending on the size of the cabin. Ah. Uh, but I, yeah, I know. And I didn't, and I felt, uh, bad about that, but I, I, I didn't feel a hundred percent bad about that. Cause I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna really complain about this. You know? Well, you needed some time and space to decompress. You're, you're living where you work, but that is appalling yeah. those conditions. It sounds like they were really awful for people who were not maybe white and or performers. I would venture to say that that is fairly accurate. Yes, yeah. uh, it, it, the the not only the it, I'm not saying like things were dirty or you know anything like that, but but as far as comfort level and the ability to decompress, uh, not not great. Uh, it, so, uh, it, it, you know, for those folks, uh, and and they they worked 13 month straight contracts. 13. Ooh. I I worked. M- Anywhere between three months and eight months were the span of my contracts, and I chose to do that. They typically send everything they earn right back home, and so they have families back home, and they don't see their kids for 13 months. Again, yes, it is their choice, but, you know, is it really yeah. their choice with, with, with <laughs> I could make this money here, or I could make this money here, and here's the sacrifice that comes with that. So yeah, they, uh, I, uh, my hats off to, to everyone in that respect. Um, and they're just the nicest people. Uh, and the treatment was not, not so great, you know, even from, a um, 
well, especially from a, you know, boss perspective, from a, from a, I don't know what you call it, managerial perspective. Mm -hmm. Like I had some bosses, but I, you know, there was a lot more leeway there. Um, I, I was treated better. It's, it's just, there definitely is a, a class system, uh, there. And, and that, I, that's one of the things I, I was not a big fan of. Yeah. So. And how many, how many years did you do that for? I did that for three years over five contracts. So I had a three month contract to start then an eight month, uh, which was very cool. Cause that was Australia, New Zealand, South Pacific and all of that stuff. Then I did Europe for five and a half months. Uh, and then I think uh, right after that was a 90-day contract. And then a four-and-a-half-month contract was my last one. But that was mostly uh, Alaska. And I th- actually, I think that last one was all Alaska. So, uh, But the previous ones were very exotic, and I just loved them. Well, so where were you when you weren't performing? And what caused you to stop? your work on cruise ships i mean you you've already mentioned the great the gross inequities has caught were a huge factor but where were oh yeah and where are you from where are you from and where did you go when you were done with cruise ships who is your daddy and what does he do (laughs) yes uh that's for the old school kindergarten cop uh people listening (laughs) it's not a god 80s not a tuma that's right okay all right i'm impressed i'm impressed that you get that reference Okay, uh, so so one one of the questions I have trouble uh, remembering all the questions if there's more than no, one I presented. No, I threw a bunch at you. No, you're good. Do you remember them in order? Um, so where are you from? Uh, this is not in order, but I will reorder them. Okay. So, okay. Where are you from, and where did you go when you stopped performing on cruise ships? And yeah, let's start with those. Let's start <laughs> so with we'll those start with that. Yeah. So where am I from originally? Yes. So originally I'm from uh, Danbury, Connecticut, uh, which is a postage stamp uh, size state. Uh, not as postage stack. Apparently that's one of the words I cannot say ever. <laughs> it's challenging. Postage stamp <laughs> size as uh, Rhode Island, but it's uh, slightly bigger. Um, so I'm from there, moved uh, to Pennsylvania for about a year and a half, you know, and when I was like 10. And then Arizona is where I spent most of my life after that from like age 11 to 27. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to uh, Kansas, which is where I met my dad for basically the first time, uh, which is a whole nother story that I'm sure we'll get into. Yes. Um, so that is where I'm from. That's a long answer of where I'm from. And the next question was, man, my memory sucks. No, I'm, no I should, this is a shit interviewing uh, <laughs> technique is to just throw You're up fine. a jillion uh, questions at your guests at any given moment. So where yeah. did you go? Did you go back to Kansas when you were done working on cruise ships? Yeah, I. so I moved to Kansas uh let me see i started doing cruise ships in 2012 and i had moved to kansas i think a couple years prior and then i was i was basically in a relationship that was just on its way out i needed an out uh basically i needed an escape from that and anybody who gets on cruise ships is lying if they tell you that they're not running from something Um, with the exception of the folks I was talking about before, which are just who are just working for their families. Right, right, <laughs> That's right, basically right. it. But any, I would say I wouldn't venture to say any white person, but anybody that I really knew in the uh, entertainment uh, uh, department, which consists of 
just people from all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, there are some white people, but there are just every color you can imagine uh, in, in just so much talent. Uh, incredible amount of talent. Um, and so everybody in, that, in, in those departments, I have found, is running from something. So what I was running from was just not being able to hold the relationship together, which turns out something's never changed. Um, but, uh, <laughs> that's a whole nother episode. Um, but yeah, yeah, well, oh, over it's on the agenda. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Okay. 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 So, so, uh, where was I? Uh, basically I, uh, was, yeah, just wanting to get away from that. And so I had turned 30 and I was just like, all right, I need to do something with my life. Um, and I just took a road trip. I went back to Connecticut for the first time in 20 years. And I, I just to try to find, cause basically what I was trying to do was recapture the last time I was truly happy, which is when I was a kid, not the entire entirety of my, uh, kiddom. Uh, but in certain aspects, mm-hmm. yes. In, in fact, as we may get into a lot of my childhood was not fun. Um, but some of it was, and so I, I went back to the elementary school that I, uh, went to in Connecticut and just, just to see it from the outside, just kind of reconnect that, uh, child in me. Yeah. And I, I think it worked to a certain degree. Anyway, along the way, um, I had contacted a friend of mine who worked for cruise ships, basically did the same thing that I ended up doing. Uh, and I said, here's my YouTube. Uh, if you know anybody in the industry that would want to hire me uh, for a ship or something, I, I, great. It was just a shot in the dark. And he forwarded it to uh, the entertainment director of the cruise line that I ended up on. Uh, and that was basically my audition. I auditioned without auditioning. So uh, they were like, we love your stuff. You know, uh, when can you start? And I was like, what? Um and so that was, yeah, that was 2012. November of 2012 was my first contract. And I'm not sure how that ties in with your actual question. So no, it does. Uh, back to you in the studio. <laughs> no, that brings us, so that brings us to you moved around. You were Connecticut and Pennsylvania and Arizona and then Kansas mm-hmm. and then cruise ships and then back to Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because your question was, did I live in Kansas basically before I did cruise ships? And so, yes. So I, I ran from that relationship. Fair, fair. <laughs> uh, it, it, it kind of fizzled in that first contract anyway. Like she had found somebody else and I was kind of okay with it. And uh, it just kind of fizzled. And then uh, being single on cruise ships is pretty sweet <laughs> because there's a, a, lot of there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity, we'll say. Uh, because what the hell else are you going to do when you're stranded at sea but each other? Yeah, so, and you have um, a single so cabin. You do, <laughs> and I have a single cabin, which, yeah, was beneficial in certain ways. But anyway, uh, yeah, and so then I, when I got off of cruise ships, I, um, well, I had met, uh, well, who someone who is now the mother of my child um, uh, between my second and third contract. Um, and so, yes, I, I was bound to Kansas basically from that point on. Uh, and so, yes, well, after uh, my contract, I, my last one, I yeah went back to Wichita. Um, I did end up moving uh, about a year later uh, to Colorado. Again, I was running from a failed, uh, that, a failed relationship with that person. 
Um, and then long story longer, uh, that person and I ended up creating a human, uh, <laughs> you know, about, uh, two to three years ago. And so anyway, that's a whole nother thing we'll get into because I'm sure it's on the agenda, but yeah, uh, in again, long answer to your short question, uh, I did end up back in uh, Wichita after my contract. Uh, my last one, and then to Colorado for about a year uh, and a half, and then back to Wichita when the child uh, decided to make an appearance. <laughs> the child made an appearance, so, and um, the child. And yeah. uh, so, okay, let's start. Let's go back. Let's let's go in the way way back machine now to uh, <laughs> your childhood. You said you were kind of like going back to try to find some happy memories, but like overall your childhood wasn't super happy and it do you feel comfortable speaking a little bit about like what what was your experience like growing up uh i would say it's a it's a mixed bag and so you know i was i don't know that my mom will ever hear this podcast but uh <laughs> i was going, raised by my this is going right to her uh i don't it's know address. Straight... yeah i'm gonna put it on scene no it is yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's it's directly live streaming yes. to her Facebook or something. <laughs> so, and, and I would rather not have it any other way. So, um, no, she, and and bless her heart, she meant absolutely well. Um, but uh, the, I believe there was some abuse uh, in her past that she maybe uh, just kind of paid forward, yeah. just kind of thinking that's how you raise kids and whatever, and not being able to handle stress and all of those things. Um, and there's no way that I could encompass uh, completely fairly uh, her state of mind and mine and the effects and all of that stuff in a podcast. But uh, let's just give her the the benefit of the doubt in general, but also state some facts. And so, you know, yeah, it, it, it remind me of your actual question so I don't get off track too much. My question was, what was your experience like growing up? And so, yeah, like, oh. so you're right on the money. And she it sounds like she was doing the best she can. But like a lot of parents, she passed on a lot of her trauma. I think a lot of our listeners yeah. and I can relate to that. Um, and so there was some passed on kind of generational trauma there. Um, and yeah moving around a few times i mean i can't imagine that that was exactly easy no it wasn't super easy because obviously okay so i'm an only child so let's just do a little background yeah. so i'm an only child my my mom basically took me away from my dad when i was eight months old okay. uh so she he they were both in the military and he was just busy all the time. And she was just, she was 25 and he was 20 and you do stupid shit when you're, you know, you selfish shit. Your brain has and so barely developed. Sorry to interrupt. Right. But yeah. No, 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 you're fine. It barely developed. And that's only if you've not, you know, altered its course with drugs, alcohol and all those things. And both of my parents did that. So, um, sure. <laughs> so we're not playing, playing with a super full deck, but are, are any of us playing with a full deck? Is, is the not. question. So, no, me neither. <laughs> I wouldn't want to. So, if I got so many jokers up there and the instruction card. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure what to do with that. I have just that weird blank one that, like, sometimes... Yeah, the blank one. Yeah, I don't know. Like, how many trees could have been saved if we'd just so done without the blank one? So, anyway, fucking bicycle. Anyway, uh, so, I think that's... Isn't that... Yeah, that's the brand. I was trying to go for the... Yeah. Isn't that... Br okay, yeah, good. Sure. Oh, oh, yeah, well done. 
impressed myself, but I stopped in the middle of the joke, so it kind of negates it. Anyway, so so yeah, uh, eight months old, and my my mom goes, "Hey, you see your son? Oh, okay, great. Well, you're not going to see him again." And she just took took me uh, back to Connecticut, uh, and before that, my dad was kind of stationed in Kansas, which is why I moved here in the first place ah, okay. because he lives here, and so that we got to kind of draw. A, a chart and diagram here and and because <laughs> the story gets a little confusing but uh but yeah and, and so I was raised by my mom uh on the east coast and uh she had to work you know a bunch of jobs uh to make ends meet we never lived extravagantly but we also didn't live in like the slums or the you know the ghetto or whatever um it was it was she did the best she could she really did um but unfortunately, there were some side effects in, um, let's say, certain punishments were probably not uh, appropriate for the age that I was mm-hmm. and at the time. And so, you know, without getting into too much detail, unless you really, really, really want to, um, you know, basically no child should have to go through what I went through. And I'm sure that's the case for maybe you and just millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people, because, you know, uh, mainly monkey see monkey do, uh, you know, with, at least with my parents, you know, whatever was done to them, they basically carried that forward. I will not say that about my dad though, because he kind of, he went through some real bad shit. Uh, he and his his uh, siblings went through some real bad shit and abuse and physical abuse like you wouldn't believe. And I've heard stories that I uh, don't even feel comfortable repeating. And he, instead of paying that forward, did the opposite. I think that's typically what happens is, you know, if you've been abu- abused, you're either going to abuse or you're certainly not going to abuse. I don't think there's really much of an in-between there. Uh, but a lot of people, I'm sure, would beg to differ, and I don't want to negate their experience either. Um, so, you know, it, uh, my mom didn't really know what to do uh, when I was talking back or uh, being a kid, <laughs> basically. Sure. Um, and and I was, uh, I've always used humor as a mechanism, and that kind of furthered that. So um, it, <laughs> I, uh, I, I did not stay quiet, we'll say, when my mom did some, you know, pretty horrible shit. Yeah. And so, but then she did more horrible shit because I didn't stay quiet. And so and it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't evil, I would say, from a uh, from an intent perspective. I think it was more of an out of desperation and I'm dealing with depression and anxiety and I don't know how to deal with that and kind of taking it out on, you know, the one organic <laughs> uh, entity in front of me and... You know, so I got the shit end of that stick a lot. Um, that being said, she was very creative in a lot of ways. She's still alive. I don't mean like she was. Yeah, you she, know. she is creative, Once upon a time, it, she but, was. <laughs> yeah. At the time, she, you know, pros and cons, but it sounds like she really did not know how to deal with raising a child. And Correct. And, and, and I, having raised a child, co-raised a child, uh, luckily, uh, for the past few years, I can absolutely understand losing it and and rage and just desperation and all that stuff and you know when it's when you don't have anywhere to go with it and maybe no one to talk to and no help it 
can only go one place. And unfortunately, in my case, that was at me. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's a lot of consequences that uh, I've faced as a result of that. You know, that whole not being able to keep a relationship together. Uh, that's a direct result. <laughs> um, uh, again, I'm, I'm an adult. I make my own decisions. I am responsible for those uh, decisions. But the tools that were necessary in order to make those decisions soundly, I don't think were in place. Totally. Uh, from, from, you know, from my upbringing, I did not witness a happy, healthy, thriving relationship ever. And this is actually a recent discovery that I've kind of put put two and two together and by, by recent I mean like a few days ago I was actually I had like a little epiphany because I'm of course reflecting on hey why can't I make shit work um and it's because I not solely because again make my own decisions but um it is largely because I don't know what a happy healthy relationship looks like because I didn't witness one yeah. you know my mom had a fiance at some point he turned out to be a total asshole his son was even worse Ooh. Um, and uh, abused me as well. And so I was, I was just totally not a fan of that. Uh, and I never, ever saw, uh, even just love in my own household. Right. Just, I guess that's, that's full stop. You know, that's, that's the whole statement. So how are you going to learn how to love if you are not shown an example of that love especially romantic love like two people you know uh, two people two two parents in love with one another or two partners in love with one another you know as a child you learn tv and movies yeah there we have it yeah and tv and movies (laughs) as we know are the best at teaching children about what healthy happy relationships look like we know that totally because it's 100 percent realistic and everything 100 percent. it's just like the best way to learn about sex is by watching porn 100 percent. right because everybody has the lights on and everybody's well endowed (laughs) and everyone has has, a weird condo Right, a weird condo and scars under their boobs and all that, whatever. Like, no, it it, it really is uh, uh, it making of you know the makings of uh, not a good track record for relationships, and that that's proven to be true. It's you know it it really is. Um, it's it's sad, but at the same time, like. N- Taking taking inventory of the why, in addition to the obviously decisions that I've made, um, it helps to kind of go, oh, okay, that, all right, now I get it. Yeah. I don't feel completely one hundred percent responsible uh, in that. Res- I don't feel like a total failure because when you take inventory of that, like you you think, oh, I have no one to blame but myself. Um, if we're talking blame here, and if we're talking, you know, original cause as no love in the household you know i could blame my mom but really i blame who came before her who taught her those ways or didn't teach her certain ways that prevents you know uh like like didn't teach her certain ways that might have allowed her to keep a happy healthy relationship and thereby me seeing that as an example and you know and as a result obviously uh six would would mostly translate into uh, success for me. No, absolutely. And like, I think that that is understanding kind of where your, um, you know, uh, parental figures, for lack of a better better word, 
were when they Mm -hmm. were raising you it's like oh shit okay this is why i do what i do this is like what Mm -hmm. they were doing and i feel like it it, it comes like i i think a lot of people who have experienced trauma myself included there are like blank spots in your memory sometimes and then you're like oh shit that happened that was really fucked up and then it's like why did that (laughs) happen oh and then shit this is maybe why i made certain decisions and i think for me oh yeah it feels empowering because it's like okay, now I have a greater understanding of like the motive, not the my motivations, but kind of like the blueprint that I was given. Now, how can I carve out new pathways in my brain to like make change? Yeah. And it gives you, at least it gives me like a greater sense that I can make changes to how I behave because I now understand the path that was laid before me. Yeah, exactly. When you connect the dots, like it just, it's almost life-changing uh, perspective-wise to go, oh, this is where I'm coming from, which kind of lifts the shroud of how the fuck did this happen? Totally. Uh, And then you go, oh, okay, so that's how the fuck that happened. Uh, Here's how the fuck I can make it different. Yes, and I imagine that sort of insight, I mean, has that been very helpful as a parent? Uh, Incredibly helpful as a parent. Obviously, like I said, you know, you can either pay it forward yeah. <laughs> or completely stop it. And I, I have, you know, I didn't really get to have, this sounds like such a sob story, but I, I didn't really get to be a kid, you know, without getting scolded for it or punished for it in ways that, you know, just really fucked up ways. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't really get to allow myself to be a kid. And now that I'm an adult, I, and have one, I just, I'm, I am co-kidding right now. Like I'm, I'm, you know, like I am, I am enjoying bubble guppies on Nickelodeon (laughs) as, as much as, you know, my two-year-old daughter. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool there. And I I just, uh, obviously when you have, okay, let me go back a little bit. Before she was born, I was freaking the hell out. Like, I spent months freaking the hell out in denial and escape and whatever and lots of... That that time, I'm not super proud of. I understand it uh, now, especially, but I was damn near out of my mind. And so part of that was I don't think I'm capable of handling mentally and emotionally the responsibility of a child, and I know I'm going to fuck this kid up. Um, And so... I mean, I think that's a that's a valid concern. Uh, it's it's not necessarily a concern that should make you basically want to jump off a cliff. Uh, but that's that's my own that's my own issue. Um, but I think what it has done is uh, I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. Like when you become a parent, like the moment you become a parent, this other hat gets put on you, and it seems natural. To you it's not like oh this it's not like you're starting a new job at, with zero training right like oh shit i'm thrown to the sharks i don't know what i'm doing blah, blah, blah. a little bit like that but there is some sort of i don't know call it a paternal instinct in my in my case but you there, you just become a caretaker and it's like an extension of yourself I mean, it basically is an extension, a wireless extension of yourself. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm going to get into, yeah, 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 Bluetooth, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi connected, you know, being extension of yourself. 
Um, and it just, you just kind of kick into gear. Now there are challenges. I don't want to, you know, give that impression. If anybody's thinking about becoming a parent out there, uh, totally do it because it, it really shows you, uh, capabilities within yourself that you didn't know were there. Um, but it also, I didn't know what it, this again, sounds sob story, but I didn't know how to, I, I didn't know what love was, like true love, yes. like true unconditional love until I had a child, um, which <laughs> explains all my relationship issues leading up to that child, um, because <laughs> maybe I'd, I didn't love myself and then I, I can't love, so how can you love someone else unless you love yourself? Yeah. So I don't think I loved myself, don't know if I have yet, but um, I, <laughs> I definitely uh, love this child unconditionally and it is it is just it take, makes you take a step back and go okay i didn't know this part of my heart could exist and now that it does i can't imagine uh life before it yeah. like existing it's it's amazing in that way and so to your original question which i don't remember what the hell it was uh my answer is yes <laughs> okay great i don't remember what it was either so we'll just go with yes as an appropriate answer to that question yeah um, sure yeah. But yeah, no, that sounds like purely transformative. And, you know, you hear that like sometimes for people, it just like clicks in that I that becoming a mm -hmm. parent. And it seems like you were absolutely terrified. And then yeah. your child was born and something clicked and you fell head over heels in love. Yeah. And yeah. So, and you're basically, basically the, the question you had was, you know, what, what was growing up like? And so, you know, that, that basically was it. I'll just wrap that up. Uh, it, it was challenging. Yeah. Um, it was also, it was rewarding. I watched a lot of stand up comedy. Cool. Um, so I, I got the tools, you know, when to, to use when I'm uncomfortable, when I need to break tension, uh, defense mechanism, you name oh, it. Humor yeah. is the answer. Late night. Right? Comedy Central I, or like uh, what was the late night on Comedy Central when it was all the stand-ups? What was uh Oh, it was Comedy Central Presents. Yes, it was Yes, yes, yes. Oh yeah. Comedy Central oh yeah, Presents, I watched them all. Nick at Night. Yeah. Those were where I learned how oh, yeah. to be a human. Yeah, yeah, Friends, Seinfeld. I watched like just anything humorous uh I I I mean I I born in 82, right? So I grew up mostly in the 90s as far as age 8 to 18. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I watch shows like Home Improvement and like The Wonder Years and just like all of those, like I call it like the golden age of, of modern TV uh, be because that was when you still had, you know, maybe 15 public channels. Yeah. Um, and that was basically it. I mean, they, cable was fairly new still. And now it's just blown up. You can I can create a whole station and a channel in five minutes if I wanted to, if I have enough programming for it and people can access yeah. it. Whereas before it was, here's your 15 options, you know, and your TV guide. Oh, yeah. Uh, so... Watching it scroll past. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, I yeah. Missed, I missed Lifetime. I got to wait for it to come back again. Uh, Lifetime. <laughs> exactly. And and TBS and TNT mm -hmm. and, and all of that was what cable was. Not, you know, a million YouTube channels and a million, you know, uh, to, like 200. You get to this cable package, 200 channels that you still have the same amount of time in every day. But somehow you have to stretch it out to 200 channels now. So um, But And I mean... Yeah, and and I mean TV guide like this paperback, oh, you know, yeah. little magazine that you just you just kind of go and man. So I I remember that stuff. So so growing up on 
you know, all of the, the comedy kind of gave me, you know, the, the tools I needed to defend myself, if that makes yeah, sense. Um, and so, so that, that was beneficial that that's, you know, the, the good end of that double-edged sword. Um, but you know, there, there trauma did affect me a lot, uh, trauma and abuse and all of that did affect me a lot. Um, and obviously still does lots of deep seated stuff. Uh, I would consider myself a fairly stable person, just if anybody's uh, listening. But, uh, you know, it's, well, of course people are listening, but if anybody's <laughs> just wondering. Um, but, you know, it, it's been a struggle to kind of come out on top that way. Yeah. You know, there's lots. I've experimented with certain psychedelics and things like that that have really, really helped me. Disclaimer, not advocating, not advocating, not advocating. Yeah, you but, can advocate. Uh, Okay, well then I hundred thousand percent advocate. <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> but but they I've you know I've utilized those as kind of mental tools to help me sort stuff out because basically since birth I've been just you know it's like this guy running into this big warehouse and dropping off some papers just throwing them everywhere and that's what's been happening every day you know since I was a kid mm-hmm. and so psychedelics for example have allowed me to kind of organize all of those and put you know form my own little Dewey Decimal library system yeah, uh, you know to, to, to kind of put two and two together and connect the dots and it's really helped me therapeutically there I highly recommend that in addition to therapy because uh, it unlocks doors that may seem shut when you're sober yeah so, that's a really yeah. interesting metaphor for it because I think that traditionally or at least I have thought about psychedelics and kind of a in my experience with psychedelics it's uh, it has definitely been therapeutic, but it's also, I feel like there's this uh, conception where it's like, whoa, things are getting wacky in your brain, man. But like things are just kind of sure. like, and and to, to be fair, things definitely do get like very wacky in your brain. Oh, yeah. I like that idea of like <laughs> things getting ordered as well. And again, that kind of unpacking of uh, sometimes of trauma, of, of experiences and just understanding why certain things happen and also just like providing like the sense of like a universal hug however like cliche that sounds but it has provided me with a great deal of comfort again that's not again super not for everybody but if you were going to if someone was curious about psychedelics and is like i want to use this in a therapeutic method what do you what would you what would you recommend 101 psychedelics for trauma what would you say (laughs) Well, and I appreciate you asking that because I am a, a huge advocate for for psychedelics in general as tools for people to kind of pull themselves out of stuff. And I could go on for days and days and days about about all of that. But basically, so so a one hundred and one on using psychedelics as a tool. So let's let's say uh, two main psychedelics that people might come across are psychedelic mushrooms uh, or psilocybin is the chemical there um or lsd or acid as it's known as, as it's, it's known, known how, yes <laughs> how intellectual i sound down my nose and whatever no uh yeah L- lsd uh, uh slash acid um the difference between the two i put it this way basically imagine a rocket <laughs> so let's start okay, there right imagine. imagine imagine a rocket uh uh, if you're hanging out on the outside of the rocket and then it takes off and you're just holding on for dear life and just wherever it goes, that's where you're going. That's mushrooms. Uh, if you're the astronaut inside with at the controls, that's LSD. Cool. 
So you basically can kind of, we'll put it in terms of you have doors inside your brain that you, with rooms that you can go in. Some some bad shit is in some of those rooms, and good shit is in some of those rooms. Mushrooms is like, hey, why don't you go through this door that you don't want to go through? Hey, go right on in after you. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you just kind of go, and then you just deal with whatever it is. It's great if you just want to go in and deal with whatever it is. I've done that. Um, and there's lots of purging and crying and whatever in my experience, I just want to preface in my experience, your mileage may vary. It depends on a lot of things and please get in touch with me if you're thinking about it. Cause I would love to, uh, help guide you through that. Um, with LSD on the other hand, you can kind of pick whatever door you want to go through. And so you can kind of go, I, I look at it versus a, it's a, it's a hatchet versus a, a, a scalpel, right? Yeah. Like you, you just kind of broad brush with the, the mushrooms and just, okay, bad shit. Number one, let's deal with it. Um, versus LSD where it's like, uh, maybe I don't want to go through that memory. Maybe I want to just go through this one and not just the first one I come across. And so I would recommend if you're choosing between the two, if you're using psychedelics as a tool, LSD, I think, uh, and in some ways, ketamine has a similar effect yeah. as well, a quicker effect and shorter lasting, but it has been proven. Uh, there's a vice video, I think that, uh, shows a, a ketamine patient just going in for therapy and it's, it just works wonders. And so, uh, but how it works basically is it, it opens all of those doors. It unlocks them and you have the choice. So let's say you have a deep seated something that you just cannot face uh, and you just keep, keep putting off in your head like, oh, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about that. Well, if you're uh, rocking LSD, uh, <laughs> you can rocking uh you can kind of as long as your set and setting is uh is good and by set and setting that's probably the most important aspect so be in a comfortable environment be with someone you trust don't have something bothering you that day basically actively because then you might just think about that and just kind of stew in that but if you go if you go at it you know like on a on a sunday morning or something or sunday midday or something um, and it's just like, okay, nothing on my plate, not thinking about tomorrow. Um, let's just focus on today. And you have someone there that, that you love and trust. Um, your environment is familiar and non-threatening. Those are, those are the requirements I would say, uh, in 101 <laughs> in, um, you know, it being a catalyst to getting where you want to be, um, you know, uh, emotional work wise. Yeah. Um, so, so that being said, you know, you take the LSD, uh, you got a, you have a bit of a come up, which can involve some chills and some fairly uncomfortable, you know, physical sensations, but nothing too bad. Once you get past that, then cool shit starts to happen. It, it depends on the amount that you take. Um, yes, you might see rainbows, you might hallucinate, you might whatever. Um, but knowing that going in uh is is key obviously so you're not freaking yourself out also reading trip reports is highly recommended like yeah. on um my gosh there's uh blue light dot ru i think is a great site it sounds like a russian R-U. site it might be yeah. but yeah, i know exactly right uh no it's it's a safe site uh, as far as i'm concerned um and uh arrowid e r o w i D I think is a great site for trip reports where basically trip reports are people 
do something, um, then they document their experience, you know, their thoughts, their emotions, their sensations as they're, you know, here's 15 minutes in, here's an hour in, and here's what I'm feeling. And so it's really great to kind of preview and it's basically an Amazon review, right? For <laughs> how did this product, you know, work for yeah. you? Um, and so, so you can kind of, you, you might freak yourself out and go, okay, maybe this isn't for me and maybe it isn't for you. Um, but people generally will have insightful things uh, going on in their minds where they would not have in a million years been able to get there uh, sober. Uh, so I'm, I'm going off the rails here a little bit, but, but you know, as far as prep work for all of that stuff, I highly recommend reading trip reports, set and setting, absolutely important uh, and finding the right dosage for you. Um, but I would say, no, I just what? wish that I had this 101 report rather than just eating a handful <laughs> of mushrooms and like drinking some orange juice because Eddie said it would help make it cooler. See, yeah. <laughs> okay. So Eddie's not super wrong. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. Good job, Eddie. But. I mean, I mean, there are certain citrus. I mean, it, it, again, your mileage may vary, and everybody's body's different, everybody's brain's different. Um, but yeah, just downing a whole bunch of mushrooms. Uh, do not look into a mirror. I don't know if you did. Uh, unfortunately, uh, but, but yes, don't. very scary. <laughs> okay, then, then I'd love to have a. I should start a podcast just about psychedelics. Uh, but I would love to have you on about your experience uh, there too. Or go ahead, go ahead no, right now. Well, I was gonna say, well, you have a podcast that we will plug. Well, why not? You have a podcast right now about weed. Sure, I do. I have a podcast about cannabis. And uh, we have recorded, it's me and a friend of mine um, who, who I met on cruise ships, actually. Oh. Uh, he, he, uh, he was a, a dancer on uh, one, of the, one of the ships, one of the contracts that I was on. Um, we became fast friends and just, he's one of my best friends in the world now. And so uh, he lives in Washington and is a bud tender, which basically means he sells weed legally. Uh, and so he, he works at a dispensary in Washington. Uh, and so he's very well versed uh, in uh, cannabis. And so the show basically touches on a lot of like the history of it, um, different strains, uh, the science behind it, the, you know, using it as a tool, the benefits and just, you know, various apparatuses that you can, you, sure. you can consume out of just anything and everything. And we just have a nice fluid conversation um, and we partake during it <laughs> and you can kind of see the before and after there. Uh, we have a ask a bud tender segment. Uh, and basically I, I do go into psychedelics a lot in, in that, that show, uh, just because it's it's fairly closely related, I think you can, um, especially with edibles, uh, and I don't know your <clears throat> your experience with it, but uh, if you go over dose a little bit on uh, the edibles, it can get a little bit psychedelic. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, it can get a little. <laughs> it's interesting. Scary in my uh, a little scary, yeah, but sometimes good. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's a my experience with psychedelics has been certainly a mixed bag, and my experience with weed. Uh, an overall positive, though, honestly, my experience with psychedelics, yeah. uh, with the exception of my last trip that just totally turned me off. Uh, everything before that was great. Um, 
Yeah. But, uh, and and I, I'd love to hear about that trip so I can maybe convince you to try again. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> we, can, we can definitely talk later about that, but I will uh, I yeah. will reinforce don't look in a mirror uh, because that is no yeah. fun whatsoever. And um, yeah, so no, there you go. Your, your visuals. So what what happens basically not to get too nerdy into it, but basically what happens when you take acid, for example, um, or LSD for the Ooh. uninitiated. Uh, right. I'm just looking down my nose at everybody here. Um, my, my psychedelic nose, um, which you should acid base in the mirror, which you should not look at as we just discussed <laughs> with Paige. So, uh, so basically what happens is all of your, we'll call them cortexes. That's not the right, you know, so basically all of your departments in your brain, your visual, your imaginative hearing, sight, sound, whatever, like all of all of the brain functions basically open all their doors to each other. And so they're going to talk to each other, whereas normally they wouldn't. So let's say, for example, the visual, uh, again, not the right word, but cortex, uh, the visual part and the imaginative part. So like, let's say the part that like brings you dreams and, you know, uh, just just the imagine just whatever you're you can imagine Th- that part generally doesn't talk to the visual because the visual is the visual and your brain goes this is what i'm seeing i don't need to imagine anything this is what i'm seeing because i'm sober and when you <laughs> take acid or mushrooms those two talk to each other yeah and that's why hallucinations happen and that's that or can happen and that's that's why you know that that's why cool shit happens basically <laughs> Um, and so I forget what my whole point was, uh, there in, in talking about that. So clearly I've, I've done too much. <laughs> no, well, it's, uh, <laughs> this is all under still the umbrella of 101. 101. And it's basically yeah. seems like be someplace safe and with somebody who's loving, you know, a loving group or individual. Somebody you trust. Someone you trust. Yeah. yeah. Um, and know your dose. And just use it as a tool. Yeah. Yeah, just just use it as a tool. I mean, it can. There are certainly merits in using it recreationally. Same thing with weed, um, but go in with an intent. If you have an intent to just have you know be recreational and have a good time, low dose is totally fine and good enough for that. I happen to go high dosage because I wanted to go beyond the realm of reality, and I'm going to get into super kookville here. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, but but basically i have i've there's there's a let me see it depends on the dosage of each tab um but i think the most i have done is 10 tabs uh and i think the average dose with the dosage of the tabs that i took the average dose i think would be maybe two or three and and so it was pretty hardcore and i ended up how much do we want to go into this? Uh, I I ended up basically just about breaking through to the other another dimension, and and I don't I, I say that in seriousness because I was fluctuating between two realities, um, and of course this all happened in my brain. Um, but I, I honestly do believe there is a, a different dimension yeah. um, that can only be accessed in certain ways, whether through you know, chemically or through um, meditation and through, you know, there's lots of uh, transcendental ways of, of getting, getting totally. there. 
astral projection yeah, I, is absolutely yeah. real and you can reach it through meditation and you can reach it through psychedelics. Yeah. And so basically, not to buzzkill here, but I thought I had died. Okay. Ego I, death. I did. Right? I thought I had died. Ego well, ego death. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it that's what it uh it actually is. Yeah. So I I thought like I was I was uh with someone in the room uh who had done maybe I don't know, a third of the dosage. She was just like, yeah, I'm just here for the cool factor. And I was like, I'm performing surgery in my head. So, yeah, so <laughs> like buckle, buckle up, up yeah. buttercup, like, let's go. Right. So, so, and I'm glad because uh, I'm glad that her, her feet were firmly planted on the ground, at least much more so than mine were because I kind of freaked out and was like, bring me back, bring me back. And she eventually could do that. Um, but and I don't mean for this story to like deter anyone, but this is like hardcore dosage that I did, and and for a, for a reason, and and I'm glad that I did it. Um, but basically, <laughs> we were talking, and then we were laughing, and then I kind of turned to my right, and it seemed like the end of a movie, and it was my own life movie, and that's that's it uh, for me, and nothing else had meaning. Mm. Uh, in fact, if I thought of something intentionally, it then had no meaning. And so not to get political here, but this was, I think, 2016. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I was like, I'm going to. OK, well, if that's the case, <laughs> my, my brain was like, oh, well, let's use this as a utility. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to think of Trump. All right. So I thought of Trump and then he had no meaning. And I, for a second, I was like, oh, that's better. <laughs> and then and then but then I thought of my dad and I was like, no, I don't want that to lose meaning in my head. And um, and, and so it, that's what kind of started to freak me out a little bit. But then I, I would like look in one direction and there was this bright light, like an energy force. Um, that I, I kind of understood, and I hope I'm right, that what happens when you die is you kind of rejoin that energy force. Mm -hmm. And there was some sort of hum or sound to it. And I just kind of understood at that point that like, okay, uh, if I die, I'm just going to rejoin the energy force, maybe end up somewhere else in the world, or if there's even a world or a different dimension or whatever it is, my entity or my soul or whatever will just redistribute itself somewhere else. And so deep shit, right? And so uh, that didn't freak me out. I thought I, I thought I had died and was I was just rejoining the energy force. And then I, I, I kind of I was just looking at it and then I was like, oh, I'm not dying though. So where am I? Am I just in between? Am I in purgatory? Yeah. What's going on? So so like I, I remember being on the ground and I could turn in one direction and I was in reality and then, it was it was almost like the old school TVs where you have to like tune it, yes. otherwise the the you know, like the old VHS tapes or whatever like the screen would just go up down up down up down whatever and just kind of flip 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 and you kind of have to tune it or adjust the tracking or whatever to get a stable picture. That's kind of what it was, but between two realities right. for me. What is it? Tur um, turn and, on, tune in, drop out. Is that yeah. yes. That's yeah, and if if that phrase had not been ever uttered, I don't think Apple computer would be a thing <laughs> because not. Steve Steve Jobs famously did acid uh, 
when he was in college and that was basically the birth of apple in his mind uh it's just a fascinating if you ever get a chance to read or listen to walter isaacson's biography on on steve jobs it's just called jobs i think um it was it's an authorized biography and he worked with steve before he died and it's it's uh it's a hundred thousand percent worth reading every word um, it's just, it's fascinating to see how technology has, has advanced because somebody took acid one yeah. time. Well, anyway, so I interrupted, so, <laughs> so you were tuning, you're tuning your channel and you're tuning. Yeah. Yeah. That's realities. basic. I mean, that's basic, basically it. And, and yeah, so I was between two realities, but I freaked myself out because again, the brain will naturally go, wait a second, this ain't right. Uh, and it fights itself. And that's why you build up such a tolerance after like one use of psychedelics uh and the tolerance resets you know in a few weeks or whatever but like if you take the same amount tomorrow as you took today it would barely affect you if at all and so like the tolerance skyrockets so fast because the brain's like what nope 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 you're not gonna fool me more than a day so so yeah basically i was between between two realities and i i uh kind of kind of freaked myself out um and I should have ridden that wave because that is full ego death. And that's what I was looking for. But my brain was like, no way, Jose, get me off this roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And so I was, it was kind of going, oh, gosh, bouncing in between the two. And then I go, okay, all right. Uh, and I took two um, Xanax that I happen to have offhand for some reason. Uh, and it took two Xanax to kind of snap me out of it. Normally, if I take half a Xanax, I'm out for a day and a half <laughs> if I'm sober when I start. But this kind of, this explains kind of how high I yeah. was, if, 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 if that's a, a quantifiable term. And so uh, I eventually kind of snapped out of it uh, and came back to reality. And there was an afterglow kind of thing where I'm just kind of reflecting on that. It's life-changing. It really was. And so that was kind of an out of my control, life changing. But if I wanted to go, if I was, if I knew what I was experiencing, I would have pushed forward with it with intent and made some real changes. Um, And so I've kind of been chasing that since Uh, it's been a while since I've partaken in that. But uh, that is something I would like to get back to Um, in a pandemic uh, the thought processes are not the most positive going into it. So I'm kind of waiting till, uh, uh, the sun is a little brighter outside. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of my, my most profound trip story. Well, that is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that because it does sound like yeah. it was absolutely life-changing. Um, yeah, yeah. it was, pre- it was pretty, pretty damn profound, but, but then, you know, not to hijack the conversation again, but I, uh, I, I used uh, a couple, a couple of years later, maybe a year, year and a half later, same house. <laughs> um, I uh, did, I think it probably did about five or six tabs, and so I was going for uh, a surgical <laughs> dosage, but uh, still, you know, not so high that I couldn't uh, just enjoy the recreational part of it. But as part of that, I, I kind of put two and two together about the way I was treated and the way I was raised. And I, I, at the end of that, I was like, who could possibly do this to a child? I had never really asked myself that question. I had never really put myself in the victim chair like that, 
but I think it was long overdue that I needed to. Yeah. And I had given my mom too much credit again. She, and she's much, much better now. She's, she's great now. Um, having obviously already raised a kid and not having to deal with me for the last 20 years. And so, uh, you know, she's, she's doing great now and, and I've done some shit I regret in the past too. And, and whatever, like you guys know that, that story, but, uh, at the time that I was kind of reflecting on this, I, 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 it completely changed my view of my mom and not obviously, obviously not in a good way. Um, and so I just kind of, it, let's say that I had distanced, like I kept her at an arm's length before this was at like a 10 foot pole length yes. after this kind of, kind of going, you know, who, who the hell does this? What, who in their right mind does this? And I'm like, duh, she wasn't in her right mind. Um, and she, she just, I, I, un, I simultaneously understood and also distanced, um, from her in, in that, that one night. Um, so I'm glad I did that, uh, because I would have felt super foolish just kind of still giving her the benefit of the, the benefit of the doubt. Like I had up to that point. Um, whereas some accountability is definitely warranted. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can, you know, understand where the person's coming from, but that doesn't mean that you have mm -hmm. to accept being treated like that or like, Correct. um, yeah. feel, you know, you're allowed to try to seek justice in your own life. And sometimes justice looks like very strict boundaries with the person who hurt you so deeply. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And boundaries are hugely important. Uh, in maintaining your own uh, sanity, uh, lack of toxicity, mm -hmm. uh, survival just in general. And, you know, the more you can unclutter in your head, <laughs> the more you can focus on the, the, the positive reinforcement uh, of in yourself yeah. instead of, you know, just kind of wallowing in things that maybe you just can't get out of and just kind of stuck in that, uh, <laughs> use this word again, little mental purgatory. Totally. So, well, yeah. thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing everything yeah. that you've shared this evening. I so appreciate it. And it's so fascinating and insightful. So thank you. And yeah. uh, we have to end soon. But I was wondering if there's anything that you want to leave myself and the listeners with in terms of something that you have learned either about fatherhood or your own life or trauma or psychedelics or just I know that's a tall order, but just literally and it, it, maybe it's just, uh, hey, go work on a cruise ship. Maybe it's that. But anything that you want to leave us with. I would say, okay, so on the on the cruise ship front, because my brain is latching onto the last thing that you said <laughs> sure. because it's like freaking out, like, okay, this is too broad of a question. Um, I uh, I was I will say I was a stone cold introvert before cruise ships. Um, I didn't know, so it was basically the best thing that could have happened to me at the time to be forced into not only the spotlight literally but into having to be on and having and and having to interact with people from literally all over the world i talked to more dutch people than i <laughs> would would ever have imagined uh but and and people from all over europe and from from australia and from uh asia and and just everywhere but antarctica basically yeah. is where, where we <laughs> no went and so here hearing people's stories definitely broadens your um your perspective on a how people can survive in dire circumstances you know like we we in america 
I mean, we've got it pretty good comparatively. Uh, we, we do. I like, I didn't really want to come back to the U.S. after visiting like New Zealand or like um, this doesn't really go with my previous statement. But uh, but, you know, just just some other countries where basically they're not wishy washy. They're like, do you like this? Do you not like this? You, like they're not ordering, you know, their order at Starbucks is not 18 syllables, you know, like it's simple, simple but not dumb, just simple and just focusing on the important things in life instead of just fretting about the small bullshit. Um, and so that kind of brought, brought light to, or a shine shown, shine shown a light on the country I was living in and had lived in my entire life. And I didn't really want to come back, uh, you know, for a little while. And I was like, I'd rather live here where they don't, bullshit things so anyway that that being said my experience on a cruise ship really really shaped me because it kind of forced me to to share my story and also receive other people's stories from all over the world and not just the the guests but more so you know the, the in the crew let's say we had a 600 person crew right let's say a majority of them uh filipinos indonesians um their stories are are amazing uh and just really uh, stories of perseverance and you know facing bullshit and coming through that but also you know the people from like zimbabwe or people from uh all parts of russia uh and just you name it they're from there and we have small living spaces and we have very very little space compared to the guest areas but we have 600 people, you know, from probably a hundred different countries, like collectively, just working together. Just, just no problem. We're all on the same level. We're all human. We're all here for a purpose. Like if we can do that on a ship, why can't we do that in a country where there's so much more room uh, than you know uh, under under a ship, like? We, we can just do that when we're in such close quarters where you would think that you, there would be some some conflict or whatever. Like, why can't we do that in the real world out here? And so that that was one big thing that I, I kind of, one big profound thought that I, I came away from from that uh, with. Yeah. But but mainly just, just sharing your story and hearing other people's stories. Um, it's like reading a bunch of books. Like you just have so much more content in your head to like make sense of things, to like appreciate, uh, what others have been through, um, to take inventory of what you've been through. Um, and it's, it's, I think that's just, that was just really valuable for me to just talk to as many people as possible and get people's stories and just kind of put them with mine and, and compare and contrast and all of that stuff I think was just really beneficial. Yes. Well, that is fantastic. Fuck yeah, yeah, Matt. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Talk about a message to leave on. Like, damn, that got expansive and beautiful in many ways. Um, yeah, I do that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, you can find me the quickest place is mattbauer.com. So M-A-T-T-B-A-U-E-R.com. Um, it, that's kind of a hub for everything. My business site is motivationalmedia.net. Uh, or if you want a shorter way to go there, speaker.video. Just put that in your browser and it'll redirect. 
Um, but you know, you can find my YouTube on mattbauer.com. It's basically youtube.com slash mattbauer, D-O-T-C-O-M, just spelled out. Um, and you can see all my music there. I have plenty of footage from cruise ships there. Um, so yeah, just connect with me. And, uh, especially if you're curious about psychedelics, uh, or anything that we talked about here, I'd love that. Um, the podcast, uh, <laughs> the weed podcast is based, it's called that token T O K I N apostrophe podcast. Uh, so it's a bit of a play on words, but we're also stoners. So we're not super creative in that way. Um, but, uh, but that's going to be out. We haven't actually released the episodes yet. We wanted to get an eight episode buffer, um, and we've got that now, so we're going to be releasing that. So look for that on, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, it's called that token podcast. Um, and I do have another podcast here on the let's hear it network, uh, that will be, uh, released very, very soon. And that is called the civil experiment where I basically talk with people that I disagree with, uh, you know, mostly politically. And so people, the idea is just to be heard because I don't think that people are being heard, especially on everybody's favorite forum to discuss this polit uh, I'm sorry, uh, discuss politics, Facebook. <laughs> and so it's instead of throwing daggers back and forth in the comment section, we basically, I want to hear what you have to say. There's a reason that you believe or say or feel or whatever it is that you believe, say or feel. And I want to hear that. And I want to make you feel heard. And I want to be heard myself. And, and my whole goal is not to agree or disagree or get you on my side or get me on yours, but to let you see that you can be heard in a sea of people who are just talking over yeah. you. So, so that's, that's the, the drive behind that one. Um, and the original question was, how can you find me? MattBauer.com. <laughs> M-A-T-T-B-A-U-E-R.com. Perfect. Well, Matt, thank you so much again for all of your insight and wisdom and vulnerability and just everything that you've shared with us today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Thank, thank you, Paige. I appreciate you. And you are a fantastic interviewer, if I may say so well, myself. thank you so much. Isn't that kind? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you are. This is very, very enjoyable. And I wish we had, you know, three, four times the, the time that we do. Um, if you ever decide to have guests back, I'd, I'd love to be first well, in line. fuck yeah. Hell yeah. You'll be back. Uh, you're you're going to be back, uh, back on. Um, yeah, I'd love but, to. But uh, thanks again. And this has been Page by Page uh, on the Let's Hear It Network. And yeah, talk to y'all soon. Thanks again, Matt.